Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by World of Spas, Edmonton's number one hot tub and swim spa dealer. The ideal place to start your daily vacation on Oilers Radio. 6.30, Chad. It's 1.34 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer, Derek Scott, Brendan Escott with you. Uh, Brendan Escott is pinching tonight on Inside Sports. The uh, normal host of the show, I don't know how normal he is, but we're going to get to him momentarily. Uh, George LaRock was just on, and uh, I went to break saying we're going to go to the, maybe the toughest broadcaster at 630 Ched, and that has sparked quite the uh, online controversy on the Ashley Fine Flores text line. This text comes in saying, Bob, sorry, the toughest broadcaster at 630 Ched for the uh, next two days will be Jalen Nye. She's more fit than any of you guys. So there you go. All right. Well, hey, absolutely. Good broadcaster, too. Uh, Reed Wilkins is our Oilers Now headliner from Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's the best you've ever tasted. Search for Wilhock. Uh, W-I-L-H-A-U-K today. Um, I know this. Uh, was he the toughest guy ever out of Evansburg? We're about to find out as we bring aboard Reed Wilkins. Hello, Reed. How you doing? Reed, do we have you? This. Uh, yeah, you got me, Bob? I do, yes. Uh, just off the top of my head now, I was pretty young, and I'm not sure I'm going to have the exact right name, um, but for a brief time, and, and this gentleman passed away quite young. I think he might have died uh, when he was 40 or in his early 40s. It was either John Diazduk or Miazduk. I can't remember which it was. He was one of the top arm wrestlers in the world. Uh, he lived at least some of his life in Evansburg. In 1979, I want to say, he established the first ever World Arm Wrestling Championship that was held in Wetaskiwin. So uh, I would say he's probably one of the toughest guys ever to come. I, I'd, like to, I I'd like to find out more about his story. And uh, I, I know Wetaskiwin uh, has a fairly uh, rich arm wrestling history, if you want to put it that way. I did not know that. You know, what was the movie with Sylvester Stallone? You can text Over the top. Oh, look at that. Derek knew and Reed knew. Over the top. I thought maybe it was Cobra, but it was Over the Top where he played the arm wrestler? Yeah. I've seen Cobra. I can't remember who he was in that one, though. But Over the Top was the arm wrestling one. And the Over the Top, I believe, was his finishing move so to speak when he arm wrestles so Reed yeah, as you know stuff. as you know Reed this and this show's now officially gone off the rails which happens when you're on um, I am left handed 
kind of like in the Princess Bride, you know, when he sits there and goes, there's something I need to do. I, I am actually left. So at room at the top, someone may have gone over the top circa 19, eh, let's say 1989, 90, when he just come back from working up north. Never a good thing for a football team when offensive linemen and defensive linemen are losing to the team's play-by-play voice and arm wrestles. That's all I'm going to say. Might be a sign that, you know. Not good at all. Not good now. The line, a couple of linebackers, you know, they might have been able to take me apart. But I'm telling you right now that we, in fact, at a event uh, that Cam Moon and myself did with Uncle Milt from Brent Ridge in Wetaskiwin. You, know uh, you know what happens with cars in Wetaskiwin? They cost less. They cost less. I've heard that. Yes, they cost less than Wetaskiwin. One of the guys that I may be defeated in the arm wrestle, who was a starting defensive lineman on the Golden Bear football, Rick Medke, confided to everybody at the event that we went to that I had, in fact, uh, and if you, you know, I've only told this story 2,439 times on the air read, so there you have it. Uh, all right, so you heard, I don't, I don't know if you heard George's comments, but he's quite, because I know you were tied up in an event today. I heard, uh, I heard most, I, I missed the very beginning and the very end. I heard most of the middle. All right, so here's the deal. He went, he's pretty dismayed that the Quebec League, and I think that part of this is politically motivated, and unlike the other two major junior leagues, the Quebec League is helping underwrite uh, some of the teams right now, are, or the Quebec government's help, like they're helping those some of those teams out in some of those markets because they've been reeling coming out of COVID. Uh, what's your take on a major junior league uh, banning fighting? Well, I guess, Bob, I, I've kind of been from the school of thought the last few years that I don't know if a league was ever going to have to formally ban fighting. Or, or penalize it, I guess, to the extent that the Q is doing it, that, that you basically won't be able to do it. Because I, I think fighting is sort of slowly being phased out of the game because there is less an, an emphasis on it. There's more an emphasis on skill. When you get to the NHL, owners and GMs don't want players who are making eight, ten, twelve million dollars uh, risking, you know, an injury because they, they, they feel they need to fight. So, I think there have been a lot of things that, to say the least, have been discouraging fighting. And now, obviously, we have this move where it's it's going to be, uh, you know, almost impossible for anyone to actually want to do it unless they really lose their temper. So, look, I my attitude with fighting, I enjoy a fight that is born of anger. I, I get the place in its place in hockey. Uh, I'm not one of those people who thinks that I need to see a fight in every game to be entertained. A lot of the stage fighting that we used to see in the 90s and early 2000s, I, I was never a huge fan of. You know, I, obviously both you and I have interviewed a lot of enforcers over the years, and I get why they did it. But just from an observer's standpoint, I, I didn't always find it that engaging. I mean, clearly bench-clearing brawls and all that stuff have, have gone the way of the dodo bird, which I think is good. I, I guess my concern, Bob, and I'm going to bring this back to to a, to a local angle, to an Oilers angle, um, you know, the Oilers' season wound down with uh, a very good player on an opposing team making an extremely dirty play against one of the Oilers' best players. And yes, I am referring to the Petrangelo slash on, on Dreisaitl. The suspension for Petrangelo was not adequate. 
Um, the Oilers weren't going to seek retribution in that series because they were still trying to win the series huh. and win the Stanley Cup. <laughs> but is would there not be the expectation that in the first regular season game, Alex Petrangelo should fight someone? Probably not Leon, but Evander Kane or Nurse or whoever wants this. I mean, there's not a long list of guys on any team that are going to fight. So here's here's my concern, Bob. And and, I, and if if leagues want to ban or place heavy restrictions and penalties on fighting, I'm fine with that if they are willing to suspend heavily suspend stick fouls and gratuitous hits from behind and excessive uh, elbow, whatever. You know, like, so that's that's my concern, that, that in 10 years from now, 50, pick a day, whatever, 10, 15 years down the road, we're going to have an entire NHL of players who have never fought. Fair enough. I can live with that if the guy who slashes the wrist of one of the best players in the league gets more than a one-game suspension if it's playoffs or not. Well, there's entirely too much reason and logic in that perspective, Reed. I mean, I tweeted out when we landed in Vegas for, you know, the day before game five, and we saw that the suspensions were going to be evened. Uh, that's just typical of the NHL. You know, are you, Alex Petrangelo, cheap shots, the best playoff performer in the league the last two years. Gets a one-game suspension, and Darnell Nurse squares up and engages a willing combatant in a, in a fight where the guy's been challenging him and trying to goad him into a fight for multiple times during the series. It's, it's, it's laughable. So I'm with you on that. It's And I do think, you know what? I've already brought it up on the show this year. At some point, I think somebody's got to cruise by uh, Alex and say hi. Right? Like... I also would contemplate potentially, because I know Lavoie's not going to do it, uh, but if there is a guy that's an AHL-NHL tweener out there that might have a chance to, to, to make a step, maybe he's not in the right position in his own organization, maybe the Oilers can take a guy like that on, I'd, I'd have no problem if it was a guy like that that was capable of doing a little bit of that, so... I'm Reed. I'm kind of with you. Like, but I, here's the thing: I don't trust Reed. I don't trust the league to police it. So that's why I think it's still needed in the league because I think the players need to police it. Right, and then that's where I'm still fine with it. That that you know, if there's something excessive, if there's lingering bad blood, just deal with with a, with a fight. You know, the, the two guys are involved. Deal with it. The players understand. Okay. You know, the, the the guy who was considered the perpetrator, for lack of a better term, stepped up and fought, whether it was the next game or the next season. All right, let's move on. Because here's the thing, the, the hockey and the NHL may not want a lot of fighting. And again, that's that's defensible, and I'm even on board with that for the most part. But do they want a league where, well... There was a slash. Well, now we're going to slash back. Well, now we're going to get into a stick swinging fight in front of the net with six guys swinging their sticks at each other. Like, what's going to look worse on the highlights on YouTube? A fight or or guys swinging their sticks at each other's heads? And, and I realize fighting is dangerous, and certainly we had the Cassian incident in the preseason, I think three years ago, Bob, where the helmet came off. And, and, and that's, a, that's part of the reason, too, why these leagues are getting away from fighting, is that just things can go wrong. So I get that. But hockey is an emotional, aggressive sport. 
spur-of-the-moment game played by uh, aggressive people who have sticks. And you don't, you'd sooner have them using something other than the sticks if they feel like they got a Well, and I watched it firsthand with youth sports. Like, I mean, in the 80s, they, early 80s, they took fighting out of the league. You could still fight in games, but, you know, it it just wasn't, it's not like you just got a five-minute major. And uh, and it resulted in guys running each other all over the ice. And, and by the mid-90s, a ridiculous amount of stick work. This text comes in, George Peros. And the NHL player safety is such a joke. I stopped watching the playoffs after the order series. I mean, Edmonton was right there with Vegas. And it shouldn't have been an even-up call, and it was. Imagine if Petrangelo had missed both games. And the, the psychological effect that he would not have been eligible for game five or game six. Nurse not eligible for game five. I, You know, I, I wonder whether or not... I mean, there's a couple of things that happened this year, right? I'll, I'll, I'll think back, read to the, because I'm going to take you to another point, which is, are the Edmonton Oilers a legitimate Stanley Cup contender? For me, they are. But when they lost that game 6-2 in Montreal, I did not think the Oilers could chase down and finish second in the division. But they did, two points out of first. If they'd won that game, they would have come in first because they had the, the head-to-head matchup against Vegas in the regular season. So, uh, on that note, tell me this, your thoughts. Is Edmonton a legitimate Stanley Cup contender, or is this Bob, the Oilers broadcaster for OEG, pumping the Oilers tires? They're a legitimate Stanley Cup contender, Bob. And to me, uh, it would be, in my mind, it would be much harder to prove how they aren't than than how they are. So, I mean, anybody, anybody that um, is saying they aren't would would have to put forward a stronger argument than than saying they don't like the fact that Bob is saying it. Um, Look, they've been very good the last two years, have finished the season very well the last two years. They did lose to the defending Stanley Cup champion, which is not a guarantee that they themselves would have won the Cup if they'd advanced, but I think it's evidence of the caliber of team that was necessary to knock out the Oilers. The power play, I mean, it's like that thing we were talking about during the season, Bob, like, but the power play, we're witnessing the good old days. I mean, this is a power play that's going to enter NHL lore. And 30, 40 years ago, people are going to be like, my God, was that power play actually that good? Yes, it is that good. So they'll probably be up around 30% again or over 30%. They they have a solid roster. I mean, sure, you can quibble about some things. But any team, if you dive into them closely enough, you can say, I'm not sure about that guy or that guy. I, I thought George made a good point about the goaltending, and that's what it comes down to for a lot of teams. The one thing I'm going to differ with a little bit on George, Bob, is he said, well, we know that Skinner is going to be the guy, and, and Campbell, how is he going to be in his 30 games? I don't think that's necessarily how it's going to play out this season. I think this season starts with an open competition between the two goaltenders. Ken Holland said after the year that he has faith that Jack Campbell will bounce back. Certainly one of the discussion points in the playoffs and through the offseason has been should have Jay given Campbell at least a start somewhere in the postseason because he did look good when he went in into those situations. So, But now the Oilers have proven, and they did this last year, that even with below average goals against, they can still be a playoff team. So the way I look at it is playoff team, Absolutely. Okay, well, then you got to win the division. Who's going to challenge? Vegas will probably be good again. You know, L.A.'s taking some steps, and Todd talked about it when they were eliminated. They said, we want to win the Stanley Cup. First thing we got to do is beat Edmonton. So, you know, that's L.A. sitting there thinking, first thing we we got to do is beat the Oilers. But I still think Edmonton can beat L.A. in a series, the, the way the rosters look. So, A, get out of the division. 
then you got to win the conference. Colorado's going to be better. It's not necessarily going to be Colorado. As we've seen, there's upsets all the time. So I'd take the Oilers up against anybody from the Central Division when you get to that point. And then once you're in the Stanley Cup final, I mean, really, anything can happen. So, look, if they're if they're relatively healthy and the goaltend, if the playoff goaltending is a notch better than it was last year, then yes, it, absolutely they can win the Stanley Cup. I, I, I just, I, I, Bob, and I, I always try to look at things from both ways and, and listen to counter viewpoints and, and think about those, but I don't. I, I don't see the argument for the Oilers not being a Stanley Cup contender. But you can maybe say they're not the favorite. You can maybe say they're not the top three. But it, like to me, a Stanley Cup contender is the top five to eight teams in the league, depending on even on any given year. In my mind, they are certainly in that group. Reed, one final one for you. You did a lot of your best work at Blockbuster. Thank you. Uh, I, I know you're on a little bit of a break. We got you. Uh, you know, Brendan's in doing your show right now. Um, um, I want, I, I'd, I'd ask you about the Edmonton Elks, but instead I'm going to ask you, have you seen anything that you've liked on Netflix or any of that stuff of late? Oh, yes. Yeah. So two movies can come to mind. Uh, I watched the final Guardians of the Galaxy movie on the weekend, Volume 3. I like the comic book movies. I particularly think they've done a good job with that series. Uh, they kind of made the raccoon the center of this one, and he's a fun character. They gave him a bit of a backstory. I like that. And if you kind of like dark, slow burn comedies, um, that's well, it's a comedy drama. Banshees of Inna Sharon. It's uh, it's it's a little different. It's a little dark, uh, but but I, I watched that a couple weeks ago, and it was up for best picture and a lot of acting nominations and, and stuff like that too. Banshees of Inna Sharon. Uh, Colin Farrell and uh, Brandon Gleason are the stars. Really good movie. Uh, coming out this week, by the way, on Untold uh, on Saturday, I believe on Saturday or Sunday will be, uh, oh, maybe it's Tuesday next week, the Florida Gators under Urban Meyer with Tim Tebow at quarterback and uh, Aaron Hernandez was on the same team. Oh, the, the yes. Uh, Ryan Lochte was on campus at that time. Uh, Cam Newton was expelled from campus. That is going to be an interesting story because there's been some wild stories with some of those Florida players since then. Reed, great stuff. Thanks for your time. Take care, Bob. See you. See you. That is Reed Wilkins from Inside Sports. Again, you can text us at 780-496-0063. I do want to mention at this time, oh, yes, indeed. All season long, James H. Brown Injury Lawyers bring you our injury report. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. Trent Brown, Jim Brown, the gang of James H. Brown. 250-plus years of experience to get you the best results. James H. Brown, proud supporters of the Edmonton Oilers, the Edmonton Elks, and the University of Alberta Golden Bears. Uh, Northside Adams says, Bob, NHL player safety is weaker than the Gotham City Police Department. There you go. You can text us, 780-496-0063. Bob, you can only speculate. Until they win, it's a nothing season. Again, you can text us, 780-496-0063. Bob, not fighting is more dangerous uh, because guys will take runs at each other. Again, you can text us, 780-496-0063. Keep it coming. Zap says canned ham for the win. Well, that is a specific inside sports reference. Uh, we did mention earlier in the show, the Stan Oilers history for New West Travel, serving travelers since 1979. We got our trip to Nashville. 
the 30-second commercials on the station with New West Travel have not even launched yet. I think they have to buy more tickets because it looks like we're going to sell her right out. Book your vacation today, newestravel.com. The owners are in Smashville in October. On this date in 2017, Leon Drysaddle, Pete Shirelli got ripped for this contract. Eight years, eight and a half million AAV. Drysaddle had 77 points in the regular season, 16 points in 13 playoff games. And fans ripped the Oilers for signing him to an eight-year deal. Second in points, fourth in goals, third in assists, first in power play goals. He's exceeded uh, the contract. Brendan Ascott has inside sports for us tonight. Here's what he's got shaken. Dave Campbell, uh, Elks color man, will join uh, Brendan on a preview of the Elks game and news uh, in and around um, Victor Quee parting ties with the Oilers organization. Uh, Riverhawks pitcher and local product Halen uh, Knoll uh, on winning the WCL's top pitcher award. Oilers TV reporter Tony Brar is in studio. We're allowed to do that? I didn't know that. And an Edmonton Marathon participant is gunning for a Guinness World Record this Sunday. There you have it. That's what's coming up tomorrow. We're working on a couple guests, but Michael Rupp from the NHL Network, former, he won a Stanley Cup with the New Jersey Devils, hard-nosed, tough guy. We'll hook up with him. Uh, does a lot of work down on the States. NHL Insider John Shannon for Legacy Heating and Cooling. They will join us on tomorrow's edition of Oilers Now. Thank you very much, Derek Scott. Oh, and I got to mention to you that uh, Royal Pizza, Pizza Pass, and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated 50-plus years. I think tonight might be a Royal Pizza night. For a menu and a list of their locations, go to royalpizza.ca. they got 14 locations in Edmonton, one in Red Deer, five in Calgary, one in Saskatoon, one in Regina. Royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. The staff recommendations the Mediterranean chicken. Brendan Escott likes the Texan. Again, uh, we'll be back at her tomorrow, noon to 2. Up next, Randy Kilburn with a global news weather traffic update, followed by Rob Breckenridge from 2 to 3, and then Chelsea on Chad with Chelsea Bird. So long, everybody.